Life Audio. Have you ever heard anyone talk about a deconstruction of faith? Uh, talking about their faith going from a place where it was once strong, it was once active in their lives, to uh, a moment where they have deconstructed. They've pulled the pieces apart and tried to figure out what they actually believe. Some people, not using a phrase like deconstruction, would just talk about losing their faith. Uh, or more broadly, having a crisis of faith. Perhaps you've heard these terms, maybe you've used these terms, but what we really want to understand is A, what do they mean? And B, how can we avoid coming to a place where we have a crisis of faith that requires deconstruction? I want to talk about that today in a really a, a very conversational tone about faith. What it is, certainly what it is not, and how we can hang on to the faith that we have long believed and we'll come back to that in just a moment. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hello and welcome to the March or Die show today. Very glad to have you joining me. And if you are watching on YouTube, and I encourage everyone to go over to YouTube and check out the March or Die show, you can just find that using my name on YouTube, Jeremy Stallnecker. You'll find my channel. But if you're watching on YouTube, you will notice I'm in a different setting, a different place than I have been in the past. I'm actually in my house trying to do some recording, trying to figure it all out. And uh, this is a new space for us. And I'm excited to be able to do uh, some recording here, but I'm trying to figure it all out. And uh, man, you think it'd be easy. People make it look so easy. <laughs> I'm not one of those people trying to figure out the lighting and the sound and the rest of the pieces, but we are working on it and uh, continuing to do my best to improve our podcast. Of course, uh, I'll spend a lot of time in the studio as well. But this is a change of pace for both of us, and I hope that uh, you enjoy this conversation today. I will encourage you before we jump into the topic today, if you have not yet taken some time to like and subscribe to this podcast, do that right now wherever you are listening from. Go ahead, like and subscribe, and then take some time. Go over to jeremystalnicker.com, and you can learn more about me, find more resources that uh, I do my best to develop for you and in place there. I want to talk today about this uh, idea of deconstructing faith, 
really more along the lines of having a crisis of faith. People would say losing their faith, whatever the phrase, we hear this today a lot. And it's almost become kind of the thing to do for young people, young people, late teens, early 20s, who were raised in church and raised in Christian homes to come to this place where they go through a deconstruction. We hear this a lot. And uh, man, it's becoming more and more troubling to me when we look at the statistics around church attendance after a young person becomes old enough to make their own decisions. Uh, Church attendance for a person raised in a church home or a a home that goes to church, a Christian home uh, where they are made to go to church. It drops to like 30% of those young people will still continue to go to church. We see an upswing later on in their lives of people coming back. Uh, But that's a terrible statistic and particularly at a very important, very crucial moment in a person's life. We see churches across the country closing their doors. We uh, know that more and more faith is being attacked and is being assaulted in the public square in our culture. I I talk a lot about these things and and, uh, conversations around topics like that on another podcast that I do, which you can find on uh, my website, jeremystonlicker.com. But on this podcast, my entire focus, my entire desire (laughs) is to have conversations that allow us to continue moving forward in our lives. This is the March or Die show. I've had some great guests on in the last several weeks, incredible guests, and I'm very thankful for that. But because of that, I haven't talked a lot about kind of the March or Die idea or the March or Die principles. And if you're new to the show, thank you for listening. Go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes where I talk about uh, the March or Die principles and characteristics and what all of this means. I tell the March or Die story. But if you have been listening, you know that when I use that phrase March or Die, it's very personal to me. It comes from an experience that I had in my life. And what I mean by that is that all of us come to a place as we're moving forward where we're going to be faced with a decision because of a trial, because of a trauma, because of a difficulty, because of some outside event that comes into our lives, we are going to be faced with a decision. This is every person everywhere. Uh, More or less, uh, the event can be bigger or smaller. It can be relational. It can be personal. It it can be work-related. It can be economic. It can be a lot of things, but it will happen. We will be faced with a a moment in time, several moments in times over the course of our lives where we have to make a decision. Will we stay where we are or will we move forward? I like to use those words, march or die, because when we stay where we are, forward movement in our lives has ceased. When we stay where we are, we really have made a decision to die. Again, I explain this often and I haven't for a while, so I'll explain it again today. When I talk about death, I'm not talking about physical death, although there are many people in our world who decide to take their lives. They've hit something that is insurmountable, at least as as they view it, as they see it and they decide to take their lives, they can't do it anymore. Um, That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, I know because of the work that I do with veterans that that is a very real issue and a very real problem. Um, More than 20 veterans a day take their lives. It's an incredible tragedy. It's (laughs) You talk about a pandemic. That's the pandemic. More than 20 veterans a day taking their lives. Uh, We know that on the active duty side of our uh, military, those who are currently serving, wearing the uniform, More than four active duty service members a day take their lives. This is an absolute tragedy. When we look at 
young people in our country, suicide rates increasing. Throughout the pandemic, suicide rates increasing. It's horrible. But there is another pandemic, if you will, another tragedy that's happening that none of us really recognize perhaps in the lives of others. And that is the decision to just stay where you are. Because death is not always physical. In fact, often death has nothing to do with breathing or even going to work and doing the stuff that is expected of you. Death is when you stop moving forward. When you've made a decision to just kick it into neutral, to stay where you are, to just get by, that's death. We were created for more than that. Uh, We were uh, gifted by God with the resources we need to accomplish more than that. And yet so many people simply stay where they are and die. That's death. The better decision is what we talk about on this show every single week. The better decision is to march. How will you move forward? How do you march when it would be easier to stay where you are and die. If you listen to last week's episode of the March or Die show, uh, what a great interview with uh, two of the Harmon brothers from Angel Studios. Uh, they've done a whole bunch of stuff, uh, but they are the ones who produce the show, The Chosen. Uh, great, great episode. Go and check that out if you haven't listened to it. But they were telling their story, the story of the studio, a fascinating story, a story of, uh, of triumph, <laughs> of great difficulty, And then more triumph, uh, absolutely crazy story, at a point where they thought they were going to lose everything, they continued to move forward as one should, Um, absolutely amazing. But at the end of the interview, I I asked them both, and and Jordan gave an answer, Uh, I asked the question, what have you learned from this? From this experience, if you had to sit someone down and say, here's the lesson, what would you say? And Jordan said, what I've learned is that every difficulty precedes success. Uh, That when you experience success in your life, uh, it's happened on the heels of a difficulty, of a trial. And and they explain that so well in their story. That's life. And yet, for people of faith, it is possible for us to move through life, trusting God, and then get to a point in our lives where because of a trauma, uh, because of a, a broken relationship, because of a financial reversal, because of some unforeseen difficulty. We throw our hands up. We say, I guess God isn't real or isn't what I thought he was or my faith is not what I thought it was. I guess I'll just have to stay here, do the best I can to get by, and then eventually (laughs) it will all come to an end. After making that decision, your life may extend 10, 20, 30, 50 years. But if you've decided to stay where you are, what you've decided to do is stay where you are and die. And that's not what we want. I am so saddened when I hear people who once held to faith, once would have said they believed in a God who had a plan for their lives and wanted to work in their lives and wanted to do something great in their lives who because of something that has entered their lives, they've walked away from even that understanding. They have a moment of deconstruction where they look at what they were told and what they believed and they think, I don't know that I believe those things anymore. God is not at work in my life anymore. I can't feel the presence of God. I don't know the presence of God. Uh, I'm just going to figure it out and do it on my own. It's a terrible place to live. 
I want to talk about that for a few minutes today. And uh, I have my Bible with me today uh, to read a few verses. In Hebrews chapter 10, in verse number 23, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 23, for those listening and not watching, I'm drinking coffee while we're talking today. I'm at my house, so coffee just seems appropriate, so <laughs> drink coffee and, and talk. Um, verse 23, in the Bible, the words of the author, let us hold fast, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, we use those verses often to talk about uh, being in community with other believers, attending church and being a part of uh, an active church community. But verse number 23, I mean, the author of this passage, again, under the inspiration and direction of the Holy Spirit, uh, just says it. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promise. Let us hold fast. Now here's the thing about faith. Faith is putting your hope, your confidence, and your assurance in someone or something outside of yourself. Very broad definition of faith. Um, don't go look that up. That's my definition, right? But that encompasses the idea of faith. If I have faith in this chair that I'm sitting in, I'm putting my hope, my confidence, and my assurance to not fall on the floor in this chair. It's an object, but my faith at least as it relates to sitting upright, is in this chair. Um, so many other examples we could give. When we talk about religious faith or we talk about faith in God, literally what we're saying is my hope, my confidence, my assurance is in God. God is outside of my space. God is outside of my time. He is God. When we talk about salvation, the gospel message is that we put our faith, that is our hope, our confidence, and our assurance for the forgiveness of sins and a relationship with God the Father, we put that faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus, God the Son, who paid for our sin. We have hope, faith, confidence, um, assurance that he did that. He died and he rose again. And he did that because he's God. We put all of our confidence in him for the forgiveness of our sin. That's different than putting it in ourselves. My faith is not in me. My faith is in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sin. In my daily life, my faith is not in me to be good enough or smart enough or talented enough. My faith is in God. He is outside of space and time. My confidence, my hope, my assurance is in Him. As I live my life, when I have the ups, I should have my faith, my hope, and my confidence in God. But when I have the downs, the difficulties, the relationship issues, the parenting issues, the financial issues, uh, the world issues, things I do not understand, I can't see the end from where I am at the beginning, I continue to put my faith in God. That is trusting Him. He's outside of my space and outside of my time. Trusting Him that He's God, knowing I'm not. He can be trusted. And even though I don't understand it all, even though I have questions, even though fear uh, from time to time creeps up in my heart, I'll hold on to him and trust that he will do what he desires to do. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. I talk about this verse all the time. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why is that? Why is that statement made? Because if our hope is in us, we're always going to fall short. We'll just be as good as we can be on our own. But when our hope, our confidence is in God, 
We will attempt great things knowing that he can do what he said he would do. That's faith. Uh, that's interesting to me that Hebrews eleven six falls uh, without faith. It's impossible to please God. It falls in that passage of scripture where we're given that long list of people of faith, people who did crazy stuff that God used them. That only could have been done as they were having or put, placing their faith and confidence in God. Um, I love that. That's what faith is. The Bible here, interestingly, and in the book of Romans chapter 10, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We read God's word. We understand it. We uh, live our lives according to it. Our faith is increased as we see other people doing things, trusting God, accomplishing things they couldn't accomplish on their own. But, But here in this passage in Hebrews, it said what? We need to hold fast the profession of our faith. Having faith, we believe sometimes, or at least act and live, as though it's passive. At some moment in time in the past, I decided to trust God. Now I'm done. It's all on Him. The problem is that we have emotions. We're emotional because we're physical. We're human. Those emotions, they are up and they are down. They come and they go. Situations and circumstances change all the time. We don't make a decision to trust God one time, and it's good forever. (laughs) We need to hold fast. We need to actively participate with our faith, if you will. We need to continue to make a decision again and again to put our faith, our hope, and our confidence in God. Now, let me pause for just a second. When we are talking about salvation, the Bible teaches us in John chapter 3, that we are born again when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Other passages we could go to, many. We're not going to, but we could go to many passages. That is a one moment in time situation. I don't need to uh, hang on to God or work hard enough to continue to be accepted. When I put my faith in Christ, I am born into the family of God. I grow, I mature, but that is a moment in time transaction, if you will. I love the analogy of birth because it, it, it happens. But when it comes to our active faith, the the faith of our life, the faith that continues to carry us forward and allows God to continue to work in our lives, that's something we need to participate with and engage in. A couple of weeks ago, I I wrote a uh, a blog on my blog um, about what I call the the characters, uh, the characteristics of leadership. Uh, As a leader, you need to focus in some very specific areas. Um, those come from the book of Second Peter chapter 1. And as I was studying that and, continue, and have continued to study that and study the verses around it, I think we really see an, um, a clear picture of what it means to hold fast to your faith. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to jump into uh, these verses. And I want to show you this picture. Uh, what are we holding on to? How do we hold on to it? What happens if we don't? And how do we continue to move forward for the glory of God? We're going to come back to that in just a second. So we come to 2 Peter chapter 1. And man, these verses are powerful and they're incredible. I'll begin reading in verse number 2. The Apostle Peter is writing, and I would encourage you to go to 2 Peter uh, chapter number 1. Read these for yourself. Come back to them. I actually had the opportunity to preach a message uh, out of this passage uh, the last couple weeks. Um, 
Verse number two, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace. Uh, This is foundational. It's fundamental. Uh, Again, I could spend an hour just talking about those two words. Uh, But Peter says to this Christian audience, uh, grace and peace. Grace and peace. Uh, Verse number three, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us unto glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. All right, I'm going to start right there. This is super important. What Peter explains to these Christian people is that because they are born again, because they have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, They have everything they need, listen, everything they need to accomplish everything that God desires to accomplish through them. They have currently (laughs) everything they need to accomplish everything that God desires to accomplish through them. Created with purpose by God to accomplish something important And God gave them, the moment they accepted Him as their Savior, God gave them, through the inspiration, the direction, the leadership of the Holy Spirit, all that they need to accomplish the specific purpose for which they were created. I love that. So we're running around all the time trying to figure out what God wants us to do. I understand praying for and desiring to understand the will of God. I get that. But we have to be careful. (laughs) Because we can believe in that, that God still needs to equip us, God still needs to give us, God still needs to um, enable us to do what he's called us to do. And the Bible says he's given us everything we need. Verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be the partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We have everything we need. He talks about these uh, precious promises, uh, promises like salvation, that is the forgiveness of sins and eternal relationship with God, uh, promises like peace and grace. He mentioned these earlier, having peace that passes understanding in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of the storms, having peace, grace, that is the unmerited favor of God, God giving to us what we do not deserve, but because he loves us freely offering. Uh, we have victory that has already been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. So many other Promises, precious promises given to us by God as explained in Scripture and working through the believer. They exist. He then goes on in verse number 5. So he's told us what God has done. (laughs) He's given you everything you need to be successful. In verse number 5 he says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. God has done his part. Peter explains that. He says, beside that, beside this, beside what God has done, you have a part, and your part is to add to your faith. Now that's super interesting to me. (laughs) Again, we're not talking about salvation. Peter has already addressed the audience. These are Christian people. He's not telling them they need to do something to be accepted by God. God could not accept them more than he already has. 
But he says, add to your faith. Then he lists some things. I'll come back to those things in just a moment. But verse number nine says this. So he says, add to your faith, then list some things. Then we get to the end of the list. Verse nine, but he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Think about that. He says, God has given you everything you need to be successful in this life as God sees success, as God has created you to accomplish. God's given you everything you need. You need to add to your faith. He lists some things. And then he says, and if you don't have these things in your life, then you will be blind. I look at Christians in our world and I think they're so blind. Participating in things they shouldn't participate in. uh, Agreeing to things they shouldn't agree to. uh, Allowing things culturally to happen that are just uh, absurd. They're blind. Well, they are. He says they can't see afar off. They have no vision for the future. They don't know how what they're doing now will impact the future. And hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You want to talk about a deconstruction of faith? How about forgetting that you were purged from your old sins? How does a person get to the place where they no longer believe? Where they need to deconstruct their faith? Where uh, they're having a crisis of faith? They haven't added, they haven't given diligence to what God has told them to do. We're going to look at this verse here quickly. But here's the thing. You're not having a crisis of faith if you know what the Bible says and decide that you don't want to do it. It's not a crisis of faith if you know what the Bible says and see culture going a different direction and decide that you'd rather side with culture than with God and the Bible. That's not a crisis of faith. It's a decision. It's a rejection of faith, perhaps, but it's not a crisis of faith. God hasn't changed. The Bible hasn't changed. People in church world and in the Christian world can use the Bible and use religion and use faith even to abuse people i know it happens and that's horrible but people mishandling god's word and people doing what is wrong that's people doing what's wrong that's not god that has gotten it wrong that's not the bible that has gotten it wrong if you decide you don't agree with what the bible says again that's a decision if your deconstruction of faith is based on uh, i believe that the Bible is not compassionate or is not loving or is not kind or is not culturally relevant or or is not historically relevant. It's not relevant to this time uh, or uh, whatever. I I don't agree with that part of it. If that's your deconstruction, again, that's a decision to reject what God has said, but that's not God's problem and it's not the Bible's problem. If, however, you have been hit with a crisis, a difficulty, a trial, and you look around and say, where is God? Uh, I don't understand the presence of God right now. I don't feel God right now. What do I do? I want to encourage you with this. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Here's what Peter's saying. As you live your Christian life, 
This is what he's saying. As you live your Christian life, you need to focus in the right place. So often we lack peace and grace and courage and wisdom and all the things God has given to us. We lack it because we're focusing in so many other places. And Peter gives this audience, the people that he's talking to, exactly what they need to focus on. He said, add to your faith, number one, virtue, then to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Uh, Again, on my blog, I broke down what each one of those words mean. You can find that. And I'd encourage you to go check that out. But he says you need to focus on being a person that lives to glorify God. Virtue, uh, that is living a a, a pure life. Knowledge, understanding what God wants you to do. Temperance, uh, being under control. Patience, that is diligent assurance, continuing forward regardless of what's happening. Godliness, living a life that reflects God to others. Brotherly kindness, it's all about others. Connected to others, living for others. He's saying focus on being the person God created you to be. As in, having the character that God desires for you to uh, to have. Not living for yourself, but living for others. Living in a way that glorifies Him. If you're focused on that, it doesn't matter what else is happening in the world. For if these things be in you, verse 8, and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I've put my faith in God. Having accepted Christ as my Savior, putting my faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sin, my confidence, my hope, my assurance is in Him. He, therefore, has given me everything I need to be all that He's created me to be. And I'm going to live my life not worried about the things I can't control, but focused on being the person that God has called me to be. Living a life for others. Living a life that glorifies Him. And if you have these things and they abound... You won't be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to have a crisis of faith. You're not going to forget that you were purged from your old sins. You're not going to need to deconstruct because you are living the life that God has called you to live. Now, what your um, expression of that is will be different than mine. Your job, uh, the things that you do, the people that you touch, the resources that you take advantage of, that may be different, but you're not focused on that. You're focused on fundamentally, foundationally, as a matter of character, being what God has created you to be. Verse 10, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. Those are powerful words. Second Peter, chapter number 1, uh, read verses 1-10, through 10, go and take a look at those. Powerful, powerful words couple big takeaways if you have put your faith in jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sin you've been born into the family of god you have received everything you need to live out the gospel to live out a life of faith regardless of what's happening in the world those precious promises god has given you everything you need but that can be true and have no impact on your life That truth has an impact on your life when you add to your faith these elements that he talks about. 
that is developing within yourself under the knowledge of God and His Word. What He wants you to do, who He wants you to be, serving others and living for Him. And if you'll do that, Peter says you'll never fall. When I think about people who go through this process that they call deconstruction, when they talk about losing their faith, and uh, there's a saying that a faith that's not tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. I believe our faith should be and will be tested. But we stay grounded. We hold fast when we've decided that regardless of what happens, I'm going to continue living for God. It's not conditional. It's not based on what he does for me or doesn't do. It's not based on the the decisions that other people make. I will continue to do what he's called me to do. I'll continue to live for God. If we live our life in that place, then we'll continue to move forward through the highs and the lows, the ups, the downs, the good and the bad, in line with aligned to who God wants you to be. I talk about march or die. I think a lot of people, Christian people particularly, people of faith, they throw their hands in the air. They say, it's just too hard. I don't feel the presence of God. I don't, I don't know where God is here. They give up. When what we need to do, all of us, is to continue marching forward. And if we do, if God's word is true, then we will never fall. There's a lot more here. I'd I'd love to spend more time on this, but I hope this is a seed thought for you. Come back to this passage, take a look at it, and uh, allow God to work in your heart from it and to challenge you so much good there. Really do appreciate you listening and or watching. Take some time. Go to jeremystonlicker.com. You can sign up for my newsletter. You can uh, find the other podcasts that I'm involved with. Connect to me on social media. All the resources are there. Uh, That would be fantastic. Then take some time. Go to lifeaudio.com as well, and you'll find some tremendous podcasts there. And I would encourage you highly to go and feed yourself (laughs) with those um, podcasts and those conversations that will feed your faith and encourage you. You can find those on lifeaudio.com. And I will remind you, as I do my best every week, sometimes I forget when we have a guest, remind you with this truth. In life, you only have two choices. You can stay where you are and die. You can do that. Or, better yet, you can march. What are you going to do? The choice is always yours. Thank you, and I will talk to you next time. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, 
their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kynos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word kynos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.